welcome to Writers Talking, the podcast where we take writers and readers behind the scenes, sharing the stories within the stories. No scripts, no filters, and no holds barred as we talk about what really happens for writers as they write, edit, publish, and promote their work. Hi, I'm Anjanette Fennell, agent, editor, and writerly mentor who's worked with hundreds of writers to break through their creative challenges to uncover the stories they feel compelled to share. Now, let's get talking. Louisa Daisy is an Australian author who has been widely published as a freelance journalist in magazines and newspapers, including Vogue, The Age, The Sydney Morning Herald, Overland, Cosmopolitan, Sunday Life, Body and Soul, and many more. Her first memoir, Love and Other U-Turns, was published with Allen & Unwin in 2010 and nominated for the Dobby Literary Award. Her best-selling second memoir, A Letter from Paris, which chronicles a chance discovery of her late father's life in post-war France, was published with Scribe in 2018. Louisa, I am so super excited to have you on the podcast today. I can't believe I've not had you on the podcast yet because (laughs) I have known you for years and you are my top referral specifically around memoir, which is why I thought to have you on the podcast. Oh, that's so lovely. Thank you. And I'm really excited to to finally have this chat. I mean, we chat all the time, but I know. (laughs) Well, and that was part of it. We were talking before the recording started. And I know that we could have taken the entire time allotted to just have a a chat. And generally, though, (laughs) it, it is within the industries, you know, the challenges and the celebrations, the things we're often talking about, the things we wish writers knew. And I know that I'm sharing some things as much as I can with people that are going through your courses. You've got a couple of them. Can you just remind me what have we got coming up in terms of like a live course and what is it? that you specialize in when it comes to memoir? Okay, so I actually have a few courses, but what my my main, my signature coaching program is The Art of Memoir. So this is a six-month uh, program. It's group coaching, and there is actually 10 courses in the program which takes a writer from first page to finished draft of a submission-ready publication standard memoir manuscript. And it's really everything that I wanted to learn about writing a memoir and revising one for publication before I actually did that. So I, I coach writers through the foundations of memoir because I think more than any other genre, it's such a misunderstood literary genre. A lot of people think they can you know, write a fiction and then call it a memoir and or vice versa and all sorts of ridiculousness. So there's a whole module devoted to the foundations of memoir because it was never taught. I studied writing academically and none of that covered. And then there's a 90-day process where basically I I walk writers through the hero's journey, the 12-stage hero's journey, and we go through a stage each week. And it's Mm. really, I really find this so helpful for memoir because the 12-stage hero's journey is basically the path of character development and human growth and evolution. So it helps you to look at any experience or story that you're writing about with you as the, you know, the protagonist, the hero. Yeah. And see how everything is ultimately there for your greatest good, your ultimate growth and your wholeness and your evolution. And it's also like a really great way to understand what's compelling about your memoir too, because it's yeah. a program that 
you know, screenwriters use and actually it's used in so many best-selling literary memoirs that actually use in the course as examples for each of the stages. Yeah. And then there's the memoir revision process. So it's called Manuscript Finishing School and it's basically a six-stage revision process that every writer will need to go through before they can get their manuscript to a submission-ready standard. Mm. And this is really to, to show writers how to polish and refine a first draft in a way that an editor would because so many writers particularly memoir well also novel think that they need to pay for critiques and you know workshops and feedback and you can actually learn these processes yourself and you become a much better writer through doing that and you become a lot better to work with you know if you're hoping to work with agents and editors in in the industry so that's the art of memoir and there's also group coaching I call it story coaching uh you know because I just think that a conversation can really clarify certain things so much yeah. quicker critique or a manuscript appraisal. Well, you know what? We are, well, we're on the same page on many, many, many things, which is why it's like confirmation bias when I talk to you and we talk about one of those things. And you'd said this, so I'm just going to sort of pluck this out of what you were talking about as well. I love that you're recommending for people to teach themselves some self-editing before they get outside of themselves. I get the drive that some people have. They think they're being brave. They're going to get external validation and or critique on what they've written. But if they do it at the wrong point in the process, they can set themselves way back, way, way, way back. Because as you and I both know, some of that critique is totally subjective, as is any time you submit your work <laughs> to uh, an agent or an editor. You know, yeah. they are giving you their honest feedback, but it could be totally counter to somebody else with similar experience and gravitas in the publishing industry. One will say, this was way off and I hated it. And somebody else who's equally experienced can say, that was my favorite part. So yeah. tell me what is it? And I know that you've got an anecdote about this, but can you tell, share the story about, share the story about the time, I think it was around before you'd really gotten your first memoir. Well, you'd written it. Yeah. And then you got feedback on it. The, the feedback from the publisher or? Yeah, just the thing that really turned you around and maybe has cemented this concept for you of do not yeah. share your idea too early. Do not put it out for like critique groups and yeah. while you're in the midst of writing it. This is why I know that when people are asking me for feedback or, or searching for someone who will give them a critique, they're not actually wanting the critique. They're wanting validation. Yeah, and, and so that's why I put validation and encouragement in my process for, for coaching memoir writers. But you do not want a critique. Okay, so so I had written a draft of my first memoir and I'd never written a, a book length draft before. I desperately wanted to get published. I miraculously got a connection with a literary agent, a really good one, and she agreed to take me on. And without me knowing, she actually sent my manuscript to a top five publisher. And then she's she sent me an email of a week later saying blah blah from I won't say the publishers because yeah. not a very flattering story. <laughs> from top five publisher is reading your manuscript and wants to meet you on Thursday. So I'm thinking, oh my God, she wants to meet me. I'm going to get a book deal. And yeah. I told my mom, I told my family, I was 
I was like, oh, my God, you know, I, don't, I didn't even think the story was that good. Like, I, I want some help with this because that was part of the reason that I, I wanted an agent. I wanted this agent to coach me through, to mentor me, basically, in how to sell this this memoir. But all I got was... I've sent it to someone and she's reading it and she wants to meet you. <laughs> uh, that's just astounding to me, especially when I know where the story goes, but keep yeah, going. <laughs> I know, I'm a top agent. This is someone who's very, very hard to access. And, you know, she's she's in the, she's high in the industry. She, you know, and I won't mention who it was, but, you know, I was considered lucky to have that person as my agent, but there was no mentorship or anything. I actually didn't even receive any feedback on the story from her. So I go into this meeting with the top five publisher who had actually been responsible for one of our biggest selling memoirs, um, which I also can't mention because then people will know who it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, sold millions of copies and, you know, has been optioned and re-optioned for a film deal many times. And so I just thought I had it made. You know, I wore my best outfit. I, I was getting ready to have a champagne when I got home. I told everyone. I caught the tram in thinking, this, this is the day of my life I've been waiting for. And I met her at a, a cafe in the city and uh, in Melbourne. And for an hour, she told me why my memoir was bad, why the characters, which is me and my yes. boyfriend at the time, because it, it was a travel memoir about traveling with him were unlikable, unrelatable, and kind of annoying. Why the story would never be published because it didn't have what it had, you know, what what good memoirs have to sell. And I ended up having to say to her, because I, I couldn't contain my emotions, you know, after 50 minutes of this, I said, yeah. well, why, why are you meeting me? Like, what is this? Oh. And she said, oh, I was just curious to see who, who oh. wrote it. For real. I just... God. And I went and just wept behind a church like for half an hour before I could even get on a tram and come home. And it was just awful. And the agent had no real feedback. She just said, oh, well, if you can write down what she said, you know, you might get some insights after you've recovered. But she wasn't very apologetic. And, and I never really heard back from the agent either. And so what that taught me was, look, I did actually, when I did recover, um, it took a while though. And this mm. is why critique you know, someone who's read your draft when it's that raw and I knew it was bad. Like that was why I, I wanted an agent. I wanted someone to tell me, okay, how do I shape this? What do I put in the beginning? What do I take out? How do I how do I make this compelling? But instead it was just like a transaction of bam, I've sent the manuscript to this, but it, there was no It was uh, just really wild, I have to say. My experience <laughs> as an agent. First yeah. of all, I'm, I've been very particular and there's a reason for it. And I, if I ever say I'm not a right fit for somebody, I'm not saying their writing isn't a go. I'm just saying I'm not the right fit because it's hard enough as it is. But certainly it's rare to send something off as an agent that you've had no feedback, that you've not given feedback and asked them to tweak I, this or that. It's not unheard uh, of. There are probably manuscripts that I think, hey, this is ready to go out. I'm, you know, I want to get a, a feel. I really love it, but I know that different publishers and different editors will come back with different sets of feedback. But having said that, I wouldn't throw it out, number one, to somebody's potential top choice of <laughs> publisher as a first go if I haven't already worked yeah, with them to I edit it a little bit. And I would certainly tell someone beforehand, I'm going to start, I'm going to submit it. I'll start with this and then I might go to these. So there's a discussion. I'm really surprised 
surprised by that. But yeah, it was a really disempowering relationship. And, you know, I wasn't given any clarity on what she was doing with the manuscript. I never even signed a contract with this agent, even though she does sign contract with her clients, but she never got me to sign one. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I was never given a list of who she was submitting it to anything like that, which I now know is standard practice. But yeah, it was all really disempowering and, and very, yeah, I just felt like it was this really elitist world that I was just being squashed down in. And this is kind of why I teach not just memoir writing, but how the publishing industry works in my programs, because so many writers just don't have any information on what they're allowed to ask, what they, what they should expect, you know, how, how to work with an agent, how to work with a publisher how to pitch to a publisher because you don't even need an agent to pitch to a publisher. That was something else that I didn't know back then. But yeah, I still don't even know if that agent who sent the manuscript out, if she ever read it because she never gave me any feedback. I'm just, hey, here's the, so like I said, I don't know. I would say one thing that I've learned is there are various ways that people can do things. And so I'm always hesitant to say there's a definitive, if it doesn't tick all these boxes, it's definitely wrong or it's definitely right. Just like I say, there's no one publishing path. One thing I appreciate about you in particular, Louisa, is whether somebody ultimately decides to self-publish, you've niched to speak to those who are looking for traditional publishing. And so one, you're spending this time educating them on at least the basic lingo. Like I still see, and I've actually even seen in other work I've done with publishers, agents, I think, who've not been clear as to whether a project is a memoir or a novel. And I get surprised when people use these things interchangeably or say a fiction novel. I said, that's redundant. It frustrates me. And this is another reason that I do what I do because I remember when I was going through the whole agenting process with my first memoir and my second memoir, so many things frustrated me about that. And I just thought, God, you know, some of my other published author friends have taught me much more about how things work than these esteemed literary agents that are taking a cut of my deal, you know, Mm, mm. and they're getting things wrong. And I cannot believe how many agents confuse celebrity memoir with literary memoir. If you're talking about pitching a true story, you know, they'll, they'll suggest, oh, look at how, I mean, I'm giving a crazy example here, but look at how Prince Harry did that in Spare. Like, I'm not going to study a million billion copy bestseller that a famous person wrote and and see how to write a memoir because that's a it's a totally different approach to write a memoir because you've got a built-in audience. The hook is already who the person is. And whereas a a memoir that is, and this is another reason that, God, so many tangents, another reason (laughs) specifically for traditional publishing is because, oh, no, now I've lost it. Well, um, right. the difference you were talking about, especially to the difference between celebrity yes. versus literary. Yes. The reason that I teach this is because no one who I interacted with in my first book deal and approach and everything actually knew what they were talking about when it comes to like, how do I write a memoir that sells? How do I pitch mm. it? How does it get sold?
sold to booksellers and you know the general public right. and you're not a celebrity because all of that goes into how you approach the manuscript you know not the end goal and that's that's why I am really specific with my messaging now that I say I teach memoir for writers who want to be traditionally published because if you just want to self-publish there's none of this structure of the sales process matters because you're literally just creating a product and putting it out there you're not going through any gatekeepers you're not having to go through the distribution process of booksellers published books don't end up getting into bookshops but I would I would say this though they benefit because it will make their own sales process easier if you know how to pitch it to someone in the industry you will know how to pitch it to people who also don't know you who are outside of the industry so whether you're doing that to a publisher or you're doing that direct to the readership I think learning these things even like what you say and I'm a big fan of the hero's journey as well as a reflection of the transformative process so I don't want to get into heroes versus heroines journey because primarily I work from that same structure and and it's easier it's easy to break down story for people because we have so many examples of it in modern culture and movies and television as well that people can reference that the hero's journey and going through those stages helps you understand what the pieces are. And then maybe you can get creative with the way it's delivered, right? But tell me a little bit. So I want to just track back really quick to that piece because this is your redemption (laughs) story for even that first memoir that you had published traditionally, by the way, listeners, it did survive. However, (laughs) what happened once you got over? This was my first. Yeah. So I went home, sobbed, pretty much had to just recover. And I ran into a a writing friend a few months later and I hadn't seen him for years and years and long story short he he sort of looked at me like I was insane because I said (laughs) I'd I'd spent the previous year writing and working on a memoir draft got a meeting with a publisher and she rejected it and I'd given up and he was outraged that I would give up so he's the reason that I went back to my notes which they were seared in my brain the the advice she rejected me with and I rewrote the manuscript and he encouraged me he died actually Mm. about not long after all of that and that was part of the reason I was so motivated to get back to it because he he'd always wanted to write a book he just kind of let me know that I had that opportunity and so Mm. I rewrote it and I restructured it with these these points that she had made in her in her rejection (laughs) (laughs) and redrafted it I sent it back to the agent who I was still with that agent never bothered acknowledging it (laughs) and long story short I fired the agent and pitched it myself to Alan and Unwin who are an independent publisher because I knew someone who knew someone there and I'd previously had a connection there so it was kind of it was the only publisher I knew at the time that took a cold query on a Friday yeah I sent it to a publisher there that I had never met and she asked for the full manuscript straight away and then the next week on the Tuesday she called me it was like 8 30 in the morning and I I couldn't even bring myself to answer the phone I was so so shocked and (laughs) I I wouldn't be answering but it was just because I I won't answer if I'm not expecting the call yeah and I was like I know that number I I knew the Alan and Unwin office number yeah because I called them on the Friday to know to figure out who to send this to as an email 
I wanted to double check the email address. And she said, I couldn't put your manuscript down over the weekend and I'm definitely going to get you on offer. I just need to talk to the sales team. Da, 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 da. Can you send me, I can't remember what she asked for. She wanted to know if I'd written any fiction. She was like, I see this as a movie. She, it was just the most, I wish I could have kept that message. I didn't know how to do this back then. It was 2009. Yeah. And it was just a dream come true but so I'd written rewritten that manuscript with these principles mm. and it sold you know in less than a week and I no one ever sort of mentored me through this process and and I think this memoir process is just really mysterious for most first-time authors and also grueling because unlike pitching and selling a novel or fiction it's your story it's your yeah. experience it's your relationships it's your family it's your partner it's yeah. Everything that you've done and felt and gone through, it's like you've sent someone, you know, the deepest workings of your diary. So when you get a critique on that kind of thing, as opposed to a critique on a novel, it cuts. It really, really cuts. And so that's another reason I don't believe in giving critiques. If you can teach someone how to do this process. So I'm thinking of, there's so many metaphors for this, but I think about piano because I love music and I play the piano. I don't get someone to, to check that I've, you know, my fingers are in the right spot every time I sit down to, mm. to play a piece of music. I don't get someone to grade me on it before I play. But in order to learn how to play the piano well, I needed to learn the principles. I needed to learn where to put my fingers, where to place certain hands for certain keys and chords. I needed to learn to read music and I needed to know the structure of music and how that plays out and what certain things mean. And it's the same with writing a memoir. You just need to know the compelling principles because it's very different to another genre such as fiction writing or even general non-fiction and it's yeah. just playing the piano I wouldn't go and get go to a workshop on guitar chords if I was trying to get better at playing the piano you know yeah. and and so many people uh just go to a writing workshop and and try and think oh I'll apply that to my memoir or you know it's just if you want to succeed in one specific category you need to actually learn how that specific category works. And traditional publishing, yes, it's hard, it's difficult, it's more, there's a lot more gatekeepers, it's more prestigious, it takes longer than self-publishing, but it has higher standards too. So you know that if you're learning what works in the traditional book publishing industry for memoir, yeah. you'll definitely be able to write a better memoir for self-publishing. I think the beauty of the way that you approach it is, number one, you've pointed out what I see the biggest stumbling block is, which is in memoir, it is very difficult to be detached. So if we're not naturally detached, because by the way, I want to read a memoir that I feel. And so when you're writing it, I expect the writer is going to put these feelings in. The closest we can come to getting that detached feel is to do something that listeners, if you've been with the podcast for a little while, this might shock you. It shocks me that I'm saying it, but I'm going to say, I want you to have this almost intellectual look at it, right? We know that you lived the heart of whatever story it is that you're feeling compelled to share. And memoir is not autobiography. I'm talking about memoir, which is a smaller container than the whole of your life up to now. But if you use these, I guess, structures and these things that that top five publishing editor had given, just letting it roll off her tongue and, you know, smashing <laughs> your world apart. Um, but ultimately, she gave these really important things that helped you use the same life, the same information 
transformation, the same dynamic between you and your former partner and write it in a way that's compelling to others. So it gave you a sort of distance an intellectual distance, right? So we need both sides, but giving you that intellectual distance actually helped you take the puzzle pieces and put them into uh, a picture that was more pleasing ultimately for the reader. It's still reflective of what you went through, right? It's it's memoir. It's not made up. You're not fictionalizing it, but it's delivered in a way that keeps the reader, hooks the reader straight away because you're not a celebrity and has them turning each page saying, I need to know what happens next, right? Exactly. And I think as well, memoir is really complex. Mm. It's, not, it's not the simplest genre to write in. No. So I come from... I'd come from a background of nonfiction and journalism. I'd only ever written nonfiction before attempting a book-length memoir. And the thing is, memoir takes the hardest parts of writing a novel, so plot and story structure, like really the, the structure of memoir is is the most difficult piece, I find, because yeah. it's very hard to, to make something. So something's happened to you in a specific order. It's hard. You need to have a real analytical, objective point of view to be able to structure that in a way that's going to compel people who are you know approaching yes. experience from the first time yeah and so you need to learn this you know this story structure piece which I'd never learned for a book really yeah. uh, even though I studied novel writing at, when I was at RMIT but we really just worked on scenes and and basic style stuff like showing not telling which is all good by the way with for craft it's definitely good I would also preface so as Louisa said and you would have heard probably in her bio that she came from a writing background. So it's not a super stretch to say she's written this first draft. And even though you were really looking for some mentorship and some refinement of that first draft of the first memoir, you didn't get that. But you were a good writer. You were already a good writer. But there, as you're saying, there's so much more complexity and nuance to delivering a memoir in a in a way that makes people really need to read it. Instead of like, oh, yeah, that's a good story. Exactly. And knowing what to leave out. And that's that's really, really important too, is knowing what to leave out. And I know like you and I spoke about this last week because with those first drafts as well, and this is another thing, I had no idea how do I tell the difference between a first draft and something that's ready to be submitted because I really, I mean, I still call it a first draft, what that publisher saw, even though it was probably the third because I didn't really, I didn't use any of these revision techniques that I've since learned. I didn't know how do you check a narrative that is actually structured way in the beginning, in the middle, in the end. How do I know what to cut? How do I know if this is too much, if the pacing's working, if there's too many characters? uh, And these are all questions that I understand people will have critique partners or, or hire developmental editors to learn that stuff. But you can actually learn how to revise that, that's how to analyze that stuff on your own without, you know, paying for one person's specific objective feedback. The other thing is if, you know, 
one person could dislike a memoir. It could trigger someone in, in some way. Memoir is so subjective. So if I had pitched that story to, I don't know, to, oh, look, it's just memoir is really, really subjective, okay? And so I was really, you know, the, the publisher who, who took on Love Another U-Turns, she was really passionate about the story. It, it represented something that she'd always wanted to do and be engaged with. But if I pitched that to someone who, let's say, uh, had a really bad experience with a comedian or you know, that memoir is about traveling around Australia in with my comedian partner at the time and so responses to memoir can be really really objective and this mm. is the other thing if people if your listeners are pitching their memoir to agents or publishers and getting rejections often as I've seen a lot of memoir rejections uh, often um, the agent or the publisher will say give some strange reason for why they've rejected it only because you can't just say I don't there's some reason I don't like this and well, so- you know, they give that well I would hate to think that they make up a reason I am more likely based- I mean I'm in a big memoir group in, on Facebook with American memoir writers. Yeah. A lot of them, are, it's it's a group of writers who are trying to find agents and a lot of them keep getting this line, memoir's not selling right. Oh, God. So, I yeah, look, <laughs> I disagree and I've disagreed forever and I will hold my hand up, even figuratively, yeah. that I'm biased, you know. Nonfiction sells much more than fiction, particularly and memoir. Memoir is a top seller in categories but that is what they they just rely on that that's sort of their fallback line when they don't mm. want to be uh, which they- is rubbish like I, and maybe some of them mean it but what I would take that to say from an agent and or even a publisher is they don't want to sell it yeah, they or don't they don't know how to sell it and you choose it doesn't matter either way it's not a good fit so if I were going to be giving a knockback like that it would be saying I just don't think I'm the best fit and and as vague as that sounds it's actually quite true and it is because it is so subjective I'm not the best fit because this is the other thing where I had that horrendous experience talk about like two sides of the same industry yes I had that that experience of that agent being brutal sorry the agent being cold disinterested didn't read it that the publisher brutally rejecting it I then had Louise my publisher at Allen and Unwin who went in and and really fought for it at, at the publishing sales and acquisitions meeting and this is what writers need to understand and I never knew until I was in the process is that a publisher or an agent is going to have to fight for your book to sell it going to have to fight for it they're going to have to market it to their peers they're going to have to look at all the angles and the ways that it's going to sell because a publication deal is an investment it is a big investment for a publisher to to put their money down and say we're going to print your book next year it's not just production cost it's editing costs it's promotion all sorts of things yeah so much and the book advance as well that you as an author so that's what's really behind that line it's not selling right now is is whether you go directly to a publisher like I did with my first memoir or you're going through an agent you really need to make sure that that agent or that publisher is the best fit for you you need to align in your values because if you don't, they won't be passionate about your project. They won't enthusiastically sell it mm. and they won't go the extra mile. And and that's really what's required because it's a risk. It's a risk to get a publishing deal. It's a risk to offer an unknown author a publishing deal. And memoir is generally written by a first-time author. So, yeah. so it's a 
risquiar. Yeah, I have to say, we're going to have to make this part one of at least two, Louisa, because you're dropping so much truth with me here today. And you get me thinking about parts of the industry that, as I said at the beginning, we have these conversations all the time. And we can just keep going. Yeah, well, and I guess that's why I want to say I would love it if you'd agree to make this a part one of at least two. Because I want to hear for the listeners as well. I want to hear about the difference between getting the deal for book one as the the difference with the process and also the sales part, because your experience belies this whole, oh, sorry, memoir doesn't sell, (laughs) like whatever. We can translate that for you. Either way, it's a let's not work on this together, which can be painful, but I always say it's part of the hashtag 100 rejections. I want all writers to find that place that they can to have enough passion to continue to put it out there and to build thick enough skin, which is prepping you for other parts, like not reading your Goodreads reviews, but to, to say, good, if they don't know that they want it, I'm not going to convince them otherwise. You shouldn't, just like you shouldn't get in a partnership and a romantic relationship with somebody who you have to convince to be with you. And and it's not to say that you can't take on board. Sometimes we do get beautiful, workable kernels, maybe less dramatic than the way that you got feedback that first time. But there can always be little kernels of something that you can get from potential rejections that are simply, as far as I'm concerned, an invitation to you as the writer to say, hmm, does that resonate with me? How does that feedback, like if I look at my manuscript that way, does that seem like it meshes, sometimes you can get something that helps you rewrite a proposal. And I think that Tracy Dawson in a past episode talked about that, that actually some of the feedback she got was incredibly helpful in changing the way that they approach things, especially if you're going for anything in nonfiction. It can help you change the way you pitch it because what they said on second look actually does make sense. And you say, wow, that's actually a pretty good idea. I like that. So it's not to say that once you get to that stage, you can't take some things away. And in fact, like I said, yours ends up being a redemption story. No, I never wish for any author to have to go through. And I just can't imagine a world in which even I would see a manuscript that I just didn't resonate with and, and that and I would go have a in-person meeting. But that's my own bias again. Like I'm an introvert. No way. Marion Soda, like she was having a celebratory meeting. Oh my God. I'll never forget the Camparian Soda. Because you're like, well, by the way, thinking about what that looks like, and I guess I read, I'm a little bit more analytical of my own movements and how somebody else might perceive them. I would never be doing that without having, number one, I just wouldn't have an in-person meeting to reject somebody I've never met to tell them all the things that are wrong. If I felt compelled, it would be an email. Like I wasn't even given like a phone call to sort of prep you. Get ready. Uh, it was just like, uh, are you free on Thursday? So I know. You- I it, hey, even as an agent too, if I'd had 
if I'd submitted something. And in fact, this isn't too far away from some things that I've experienced, not anything as dramatic as I've said. But if I had a publisher that said, I want to meet in person or even via Zoom with someone, I generally think that their chances are greater, right? It may ultimately still not work. But my experience is that that puts you in a better position rather than it being a straight, hi, I just really wanted to get together with you in person to tell you all the things I hate about what you, your agent submitted to me. Like, I don't know who's got time for that, but I'm going to say, I'm going to chalk it up to that was a certain period in that person's life. And, and they were really looking at being, I don't know. Well, the funny thing, and I mean, I can talk about this, you know, in the next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, how about this? Well, let's dive into that. We're going to put a pin in it. We're going to pick up from maybe some of the things that you've learned after about that, because I think it is worth writers having these conversations. Like you say, this is why we join groups either on Facebook or other critiques. But I, like I said, I always recommend people go if they have capacity or they want to reach a deeper level with their memoir, then go check out Louisa's uh, website and her courses. If you can't be joining in any of those, I often will send links to people that refer to Louisa's videos or blog posts she's got. Yeah, just about it's so many common questions that people don't really know the answers to. And so there's lots and lots of free resources. Yeah, I just think it's about again, every time demystifying some of these processes. And and if we come up with new information, because we've had, you know, new insight in this industry, both as creators, as well as people who support other people creating, this is why we, we do it, because we don't want anyone to have to go in blind. I'd rather for more people to know what to expect, both the highs, as well as the challenges. I don't want to necessarily call them lows, even though they feel like that. Louisa, thank you so much for our part one. Thanks for we'll just, I, I always love chatting to you. And I think that in this one conversation, if listeners haven't picked out at least a few nuggets, I don't know what, uh, but they are <laughs> likely to pick up even more in our next conversation. And I can't wait to have that. Thanks so much for coming on today. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Writers Talking. Join us next time for more writers in conversation as we delve into the writer's process, their passions, and a little bit about their books. Don't forget to subscribe on your fave podcast player and follow us on Instagram at writers underscore talking underscore podcast.